Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. Yes, I am too. Fantastic. That makes both of us. Hey, I don't get to um, be up here all that often. And so um, I just want to take the opportunity to say that Nate and I are so blessed to have a church that's as beautiful as you. Each and every one of you make our job so so great like we really appreciate all of you and we're really proud that you guys are a part of our church so just want to thank you it's a bit of our heart we are so privileged to lead you um and so yeah so part of today um what I kind of want to leave you with is a sense of encouragement I hope that um yeah when I guess we get started with the word that you would first of all be encouraged but also that you would be challenged um, in your walk with God and and how you're um, witnessing to people uh, to to get the good news of the gospel out there. And so we've been in a series um, called The Gospel Goes to Work. Who loved last week? With Armit, how awesome is that guy? He's so cool, right? Um, totally inspired and blown away by what God's doing through him. Um, and I've absolutely been loving this series. And um, so today, I guess I've got a bit more of a practical installment. Um, this morning, you know, we've been thoroughly inspired, I think, and filled up in that regard. And so I just wanted to bring some um, tips to share some things that God is doing in my life personally. And um, yeah, hopefully we can all get some out of it this morning Um, and so I guess I'll begin there just to give you a bit of context as to what God has been doing in my life recently Um, at the end of last year I came off staff at our previous church Um, it was an awesome run had so much fun on staff Um, but then at the beginning of this year I kind of found myself uh, a bit like kind of everything was up in the air can can anyone relate like you finished a season and then you're kind of thinking okay what's next um and so with with running a church there's always things to do there's always people to meet always people to care for um and so it's not like I was lacking any thing um to to be done I guess but still I had that sense of I just, I don't know, feeling a bit unfulfilled, you know? Um, And so I I just brought it to God and and I was probably irritating Nate a little bit because I was kind of just clutching at things before bringing this frustration to God. So just point number one, bring your frustrations to God. He'll point you in the right direction. You don't need to waste time. But I was was going to Nate, maybe I should get another job. Like maybe I should... um, you know, just to like fill my time or whatever. Um, maybe I should go back to study, things like that. And um, just really felt God closed doors, like for all of those options. And so um, I basically asked myself a whole bunch of questions. But what I, what it all kind of came down to was that, um, I don't know, I, 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 the question that I asked myself was, okay, what what is the point to my life? What God have you called me to do? And and whatever that is, am I living that out? Am I actually, um, you know, fully activated in the call of God on my life? Or even just the call of God as a Christian, really? Um, and so I guess my answer to that, and and the funny thing is, I think working in church, it's so easy for me personally anyway, to get caught up in this, but it's to um, be working on the church and be so focused 
about like what's going on inside the church and then paying little attention to what's going on outside the church and the people who actually need to be here inside the church. And so it for me came down to the fact that I, I wasn't communicating to people the love of God. I wasn't actually giving that verbal invitation to anyone to, hey, come and know my God. Come and experience Jesus Christ and the life that he so readily wants to give you. I, I had kind of my connections with the lost and with people who don't know Christ, they, they had been cut off. And so um, I found myself not being active in that regard. Um, and so hence my frustration. Um, so from there, God just started to highlight a few ways that um, I could position myself again. And so I guess the word this morning is all very much to do with how we can best position ourselves to be an invitation to someone to come and know this God that we serve. Um, so... Yeah, so today, going to get really practical. Um, a lot of the points that um, I'll be sharing about is found in the book of Nehemiah. I'm just going to be pulling out scriptures, but if you get a chance to, I encourage you to just read the book in full. It's a short, short book, um, but it's great. It's got so much gold when it comes to leadership and just relationships and interacting with people. Is, am I loud enough? Is this good? Okay, because I didn't want to. Yeah, so this is good. All right. <laughs> cool. So, um, moving on. If you are taking notes this morning, the first um, point for the message today is get a pathos. So, the word pathos, P-A-T-H-O-S. And um, I first heard of this word uh, by this apologist named Ravi Zacharias. And I don't know if many of you are familiar with him, but he's an incredible man. He's actually, he was born in India, so I feel like some way I'm connected with him. Like my parents being Anglo-Indians, so I'm all like, yeah, he's my uncle, you know, distant uncle. Um, but he makes this statement. He says this, you will never lighten any load until you feel the pressure in your own soul. If you love amazing phrases or quotes, I'm going to repeat it and you can catch it. <laughs> says, you will never lighten any load until you feel the pressure in your own soul. Now, I think... God has put this beautiful quality in, in his people where if ever we stumble across people who are struggling with, with anything, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically, we want to do what it takes to help them. We want to do what it takes to lighten their load. Take, for example, this church. Every week we have people coming into, our, into the offices and coming in early to set all of this up, to, to play an instrument, to speak, to minister to our kids. Why? You don't invest your time or your money or your effort into something you don't believe in, right? And so getting back to this phrase, the people who come and, and are a part and serve in this church, it's because they felt the pressure of the need for a church in this community. They feel the pressure in that sense that there are lost souls out in our town and we need to create an environment and experience where we can communicate the gospel, where we can communicate life and truth and have people come and hear that. That's the pressure that people have taken on into their own soul and so they feel it and therefore they're able to lighten the load. 
So the word for this, um, this burden, this desire, this, this pressure, I guess, is pathos. That's the word there. And Nehemiah, um, he, it's really cool. I love when the Bible kind of just like tells stories in a way where you're like, I can totally relate to that. That's awesome. So in Nehemiah um, chapter 1 from verse 2 onwards, we actually see him catching a hold or, or being connected with his pathos. And, and um, verse 2 onwards, it says this, One of my brothers came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them about the Jews that survived, those who had escaped the captivity, and about Jerusalem. So he's basically talking with these men, they're having a meeting, and he's asking, hey, how are the Jewish people going, the ones that survived the captivity that are outside, and how's Jerusalem going? And the men replied to him, they said, the survivors there in the province who escaped captivity are in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been destroyed by fire. And then Nehemiah says, When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So figuring out your pathos, what you're passionate about. See, for Nehemiah, well, I guess for me reading that, that Jerusalem's walls had um, been broken down and the gates, you know, destroyed by fire, that doesn't really get my heart pounding, to, to be honest. Can I be <laughs> vulnerable and transparent with you? That's not something that I'm like, yes, back to the rescue. I want to be part of the solution. But I'm so glad that Nehemiah had a passion for that. Because the thing is, from literal ruins, Nehemiah was was um, key in, in rebuilding Jerusalem. And so for him, that was his pathos. He, he saw that the people were ashamed because of their city, because it lay in ruins. So for you here this morning, you might already know what your pathos is. You might already be really well aware of it and connected with it. But for those of you this morning who aren't, I encourage you to just lean into um, news reports, to, to newspapers, to things that grab your attention and allow God to speak to you about it, allow God to actually stoke up that fire. You know, there, there's something going on in our generation coming up where sympathy, empathy and compassion is at an all-time low and that's because of technology and just um, being in front of a screen rather than having those interpersonal um, exchanges and relationships, those face-to-face -face ones. But, you know, so we've got a generation like that coming up, but we as Christians can model to them, hey, there's more to life than that. There's, there's actual um, things in life that God's called you to be passionate about, something that's supposed to stir within you, and that is having a pathos. And the cool thing about when we're connected with our pathos, um, when we realize what it is, it can help us to focus in on what God is calling us to, what our life is supposed to be about, what the part of the world that God wants us to be a solution in. And you know, sometimes it can be pretty scary because um, you might be passionate about something that's going on overseas or something that's really, really distant. And if that's you, I completely relate and I'm going to share a bit about what what I'm passionate about. Um, and so I know it can be a bit scary and you can grow discouraged with chasing after or being in, in proximity to that pathos because it's just so distant. There's like you and then there's gap and then there's what you're passionate about. But this morning I want to kind of just speak into that a little bit. Um, so yeah, it's going to be good. So that was the first point. 
Get to know your pathos. Lean into that thing that God is stirring within you, that passion to help people. And that's the thing. Our pathos always comes back to people. See, for Nehemiah, um, it wasn't necessarily the walls and the gates itself. It was the fact that the people, the Jews, were ashamed and that they were in trouble. He hated the thought of the people being in this condition. And so he thought, hey, I can be a solution. I can put my hand to something and I can help rebuild their city that's in ruins. So it always comes back to people. My second point is be in proximity to your pathos or to people. And, you know, it's said so often that you won't know what it's like walking in someone else's shoes until you actually do, until you've actually experienced some of the same things. Um, And so for Nehemiah, we see him actually going to Jerusalem. He goes for three days, three nights, something like that. Um, But he goes to survey and inspect the ruins. He didn't want to judge from the outside. He didn't want to um, start planning from a distance. But no, he went to Jerusalem and he went from Babylon to Jerusalem to check out what was actually going on, what was the condition, so that he could get a glimpse, he could get an insight into what was actually the issue. And so he can put his, his hand to something that would actually help that condition that was going on. So going back to what I was um, sharing before, um, for me, I was getting very absorbed in um, what was going on inside of church. I wasn't very um, connected with people who were outside the church, who, who were actually in need to know of, of Jesus as our saviour. And so That was my biggest problem, was actually getting in proximity to people who needed God. Um, And so as I was working out what to do with myself, God reminded me of a contact that he brought to me. And you know, like, God just, he never ceases to blow my mind. You know when he just brings people along your path or just situations and you're like, that has to be God. Um, So this was a really random occasion. Like, I basically got in contact with... um, with uh, somebody through my nurse, like I was at a doctor's appointment and we just got talking. Like, you have to say that that's God. It's crazy. But basically through my nurse, um, I got in contact with a group of women who um, go out on Tuesday nights and basically minister to women who um, are disconnected from God. They don't have a personal relationship with Jesus um, and who, um, I guess, aren't, aren't living a life that that God would have us live. You know, he places such a value on our life and, and sees a real important importance in our soul. And But these women weren't living lives that reflected that whatsoever. And so um, God reminded me of this contact. And so I joined this group. Um, and, yeah, this, this um, pathos that I have is for women um, who are in the sex industry or who have come from a background of abuse and, and just aren't understanding their value and, therefore, um, the potential that their lives hold. And so that's a pathos in my life. And so when I was speaking about how you can feel so disconnected from it, that was me. Um, I... I um, 
was getting involved, and this was last year, throughout last year, I was getting involved with a group that um, was basically wanting to speak into the political realm to bring in this um, this motion called Adopt Nordic. And it's basically about prostitution and law reform. I won't get into the nitty-gritty. But I was um, meeting up with this group and we were just talking about what life could be like for these women who are a part of this industry. And... Um, and it was all very, um, well, I certainly wasn't connected with women in the industry. And so it was very, um, just I found myself making assumptions from afar. You know, you just assume things like, oh, all must have come from a background of sexual abuse. Um, none of them would have chosen to be um, in this industry, surely. And so you just start to make these assumptions and, and guesswork and things like that. But then I just found that I... I was still disconnected. There was no way that through this group, I, me as an individual, this group I believe can do awesome things and influence politicians, but for me individually, there was no way that I was going to make a difference in the lives of um, these women and therefore in the industry um, if, if I didn't actually get to know, if I wasn't actually in proximity and, and building relationship and befriending women in this industry. So I found myself in this place. And, you know, Jesus modelled this so perfectly, getting in proximity to people. He befriended sinners without compromising who he was. And, you know, sometimes as Christians we can be a bit scared and think, oh, I can't, um, you know, mingle with those people. I can't befriend those people because I might do, start doing what they do or be influenced by them. But Jesus was able to, and I believe that he set such a good model for us to follow, but he wasn't too proud to touch lepers' skin. You know, that was that was like a, you don't do that back in the day, but he was never too proud to do that. And he was always um, open to meeting, like the woman who had so many husbands, he just met her at the well, which was a gathering place for the town. He would just meet and have a chat, and he wasn't too afraid to get close to get up close and personal with people's issues, with the mess that was going on in their lives. But also what you can see, and, and this is also, I think, where Christians can sometimes um, get a bit caught up and, and get a bit nervous about things, but we can see from Jesus' life that when you get up close and personal with people, you really get a sense of the darkness that's in the world, of, of the that. The enemy is indeed real and that he is evil and that he does want to come, steal, kill and destroy people's lives. And so you do, you get a, a bigger perspective of that, a glimpse into it. And it can sometimes um, cause us to be very afraid and very weighed down as well. And we start to see ministering to people as... Um, as a real burden, as something, oh, you know, I went to that group and oh, I'm just so tired and they're just so like bur burdening and burdensome and all that kind of stuff. But I think we need to get back to the place where it's a privilege to be in proximity with these people. 
And the thing is that proximity gives us to people. And I'm, I'm not saying that you can, you can be at a university campus but not in proximity to people. So I'm talking about relationship, befriending people. And the gold about being in proximity to people is that you can start to go beyond their questions. You can start to go beyond the, the arguments that arise. And believe me, arguments do arise. I was in a really nasty conversation a couple of weeks ago and I just found myself having to listen because if I said anything, we could have been kicked out of this place and it was a good opportunity. But, um, but I had to find myself just, just listening and, and taking a seat back, but listening nevertheless and understanding what these people are saying first of all, but also what's behind what they're saying. Why does it affect them so much? Like asking myself these questions, why is this such a big issue for that person? And the thing is, as I'm finding that I'm building relationship with these women, I'm able to, yes, answer their questions about life, about God, about faith, about the horrible things that are also happening in our world. I'm able to give my perspective. I'm able to provide answers. But more than that, I'm, answer, I'm answering the questioner, those deep um, issues, those, those things that they have deep inside of them, proximity allows you to speak into that, not just questions. And, you know, I think um, sometimes, and I'm definitely speaking for myself, but sometimes us as Christians can get caught up in having arguments rather than trying to win people over. We're wanting to win arguments instead of winning the person. But I really believe that God wants us to be like Jesus, to actually get into proximity with people, have relationship, befriend people who are just like us. We're all sinners so that we can speak into their life. We're able to speak truth. So that's my second point. Get in to proximity. You know, for me, I, I actually needed to think beyond my world at this point in time because my world is each and every one of you my world is this church it's my family all of who are believers um and along the path along the journey in different different areas and things like that but i had to think outside of my world i actually at to go and pursue this group in order to be connected with people who needed to know Jesus. And so for some of you today, you might be sitting here and feeling really uncomfortable and maybe that's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, I want you to think beyond your world right now. I want you to get activated and become a part of that social group that you've seen in the newspaper or, or maybe that group of friends from work. Maybe God's calling you to start being an influence, start being a part of that group and speaking into that. Sometimes, sometimes, all the time, our Christianity, our faith is uncomfortable. We're supposed to, this isn't supposed to be a smooth ride, but I think, and it's awesome, but I think if we're uncomfortable, great. God is using us, we're stepping out in faith. If there's a fear factor, that means we're stepping out in faith. And so I just want to encourage you this morning, Sometimes you need to look outside your world in, in, in order, my words are going, in order to get proximity with people. And my third point this morning is to spend time in preparation. Cool. So third, spend time in preparation. For some of us, we are already in proximity to people. Like I mentioned before, maybe you're a uni student, awesome. Maybe you're in high school, maybe you're in a workplace, maybe you're 
you know, just out and about, you're a part of a sports club, anything like that, and you're already in proximity to people. But maybe then you find yourself in a place where you're like, what do I say? How do I actually engage a person in a conversation about God, about my faith? You know, growing up, um, and when I started to go to church, Christian church, um, so often we'd get messages, and, and this was kind of in youth group, where the leaders totally wanted to um, empower us and equip us to have these types of conversation. But a lot of the time we'd come out having learned a method, having learned a step-by-step, you say this first to enter the conversation, and then you say this point, and then you say this and this and this. And so it's like a step-by-step bringing someone to salvation kind of a, a method. And um, I just found that that really didn't suit me. I just found that that wasn't effective for me, but rather that God would have us be really organic and really natural in our relationships. Um, I just completely lost my place then. But, um, so maybe you're, you're in proximity to people who need to know Christ and you're just wondering, hey, what do I say? Like, I, I don't want to Bible bash because I care for this person and I don't want to put them off. Um, so what do I say? Um, I'm not going to tell you what to say because, like I said, I believe it should be organic. But what I can encourage you to do is to prepare yourself, get prepared. Um, I mentioned the conversation I had a couple of weeks ago. After that, that really tough conversation where I kind of just sat back and listened, I, I, after that I went home and every single news report I could get my, my ears listening into, my hands on, um, every newspaper article I could get my hands on about that particular topic, I would read through it, I would watch, I would listen. And that was part, that was so that I could prepare myself for the next conversation I would have with these women about this topic. I didn't want to go ill-prepared. I didn't want to go with a completely wrong um, perspective and mindset because how many of you know, like, I don't know whether you've been in conversations like that, but when I first became a Christian, I had a conversation like that with my family and I was just shut down. Like I was just so unequipped and and not prepared um, for just the different perspectives that would come. And the thing is, our world is filled with different perspectives. Like I believe we've come so far in this in the last I don't know, 50-odd years or so. But people are so different. You can have people living in in houses that are right beside each other, but in one house they hold to this philosophy, this religion, this culture. They're, you know, from this nation. And it's completely different to this household next door. We, we are in communication and in proximity to a world that is so different. There's so much diversity and variety. And so we need to prepare ourselves in order to communicate God's truth. So for Nehemiah, he had to um, prepare before repairing and rebuilding the Jerusalem walls. And God really dropped this thought into my heart about the importance of being prepared. If Nehemiah had to plan to repair and rebuild how much more do we need to prepare and plan to rebuild and help people repair their lives not on the rocky foundations they had before but on God as their foundation we need to go in prepared to help repair and rebuild people and their lives 
So proximity gives you that closeness to understand a person's world. You're able to ask questions. They're, they're trusting you with more information and more insight to what their life looks like. But then preparation allows you to build on your understanding. You're able to, by just listening to the news, getting your ears out there and outside of your own world, you're able to pick up on what people are thinking, where they're coming from, maybe some things that they're afraid of or some things that they're hopeful for. You're able to pick up on these things and build on that understanding. You see, there are so many ways that we can enter into conversations about faith and about God without having to Bible bash people. You know, and it all comes back to being prepared. There are so many different angles that we can choose that are far more effective if we are just prepared in what we want to be talking to these people about, what we want to communicate. And, you know, the truth is that the Holy Spirit, and it says in the Bible that the Holy Spirit gives us the words to say when we need it. And I just so thank God for that he sent his Spirit to us as our guidance, as our counsellor, and to complement that, he's given us a mind. And so we're supposed to think, we're supposed to be involved, we're supposed to be hearing out, listening out for what's going on around us. We're supposed to activate this in serving God as well. You know, I really see Lift Church, and this is something that Nay and I are so passionate about. We see everyone in this room being able to go out into your workplace, go out into whatever your Monday to Friday, five, nine to five is and be an influence. And so part of that, um, sorry, I lost my place. And part of that is, is um, people are trusting you with their lives. Part of that is that you are prepared, that you are equipped and empowered here on Sundays and sent out into your worlds and you're able to speak and, and lend your wisdom, lend the truth of the word of God into these, into these worlds and these places that you're a part of. You know, um, I'm so sick of Christians and the church being labelled irrelevant in, in this day. I think it's one of the biggest labels that we come under. But I know that God has got so much more for his bride, that we are supposed to be the beacon of hope, the beacon of wisdom that the world's supposed to flood to in their times of need, in their struggles. And so that's our desire for, for this church, that each and every one of you would be that in, in your areas of influence. And, you know, I used to be that person that, um, and so I'm talking about myself as well this morning. Um, these are the things that I'm putting into my life um, completely. But I used to be that person who would give my um, one-sided, often very black and white opinion in conversations. And um, I just found that through a series of people, um, God really used Nate to speak into this for me. But God started to just challenge me on that front, that it's, it's okay to have your opinions and your perspectives. And all of us do. All of us have that mindset and that worldview that we view um, what's going on around us through. But it's not okay when we are communicating in a way that actually pushes people further from God. And that's something that God really challenged me on. He said, watch your words. Watch how you're thinking. 
Watch what you're saying to people who don't know that I am a God of love, that I am love, that I've sent my son to die for them, that I'm, I'm an extremely good God. I'm the definition of good. Watch what you're saying to people who don't know that because as it is, they have a wrong perception of who I am. And so watch that your words aren't adding to that and putting them off ever entering the kingdom of God. And that was a real challenge for me. And I hope that for people in this area that need to, in this room, that need to pick up that challenge that you would, that you'd be really deliberate with your words and your thoughts. And the thing is, when when God challenged me about that, I actually became way more open-minded. I wasn't scared anymore to listen to those news reports that really grated against me. You know how as Christians, you know what's right what's wrong what's biblical what's not and so when you hear things that are happening in the world you just get a bit frustrated like you hear these news reports and you're like oh that's so wrong that's so bad so I'm definitely one of those people I get really passionate um but I I was no longer um shutting off those those voices but I was actually leaning in and listening and thinking okay God if this is what is happening in my world if this is how my neighbor is thinking I need to be bold enough strong enough to actually hear what that is and so I can bring God's truth into those areas and what I'm not saying is that we are to stray from God's word no not at all I will I know that God's word is the ultimate authority in this world and, and people who are far from God don't know that, but I I know that. And so what I'm saying is that we don't put that aside, not at all. But but with us being prepared, with us being in proximity to people who don't know God and listening out and hearing, what we're able to then do is actually take the word, take the truth, take things that are relevant and deliver timely words to people. And I believe that's such a great way to witness um, to people who don't know God because they, they have a truth spoken into their very situation and God uses that every single time. There's always an opportunity. There's, there's always an open door that, that we can use um, to speak into people's lives. And God, God is faithful to meet us there as well. So my third point, let's get prepared. Let's actually listen out. Let's have our ear to the ground as to what's going on around us so that we can have those conversations that communicate God's truth and speak value into people. So fourth point, stay hopeful. Now, I know I've talked about a lot of, um, I guess, uh, what's the word, negative things this morning, um, and I could have been speaking in a negative way, and, and if that's affected you, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry, but I hope this fourth point kind of <laughs> helps you out a bit, but it definitely helps me. Um, staying hopeful. You know, coming back to the story of Nehemiah, he had opposition, and he had um, discouragement right even before he um, started working on the Jerusalem walls and the gates before he even put his hand to work and started planning he had the officials come and and basically just say let him know you know we are displeased with what you're doing because help and welfare was on the way for Jerusalem for the Jews and so he had um opposition and discouragement and you know that's something that we are definitely finding if you've watched the news over the last couple of weeks you would know that um, Christians and the church we do face opposition we do face discouragement um, 
from people and that's because we have a very real enemy you see in in our word we have the key to freedom for all humanity the bible says that Jesus came and died for every single person on this earth to forgive sin, to reconnect them with God. It's for everyone. And so we have an enemy that doesn't want people to know that. He doesn't want people to be free. And so he comes and he hardens hearts. He brings opposition. He brings boundaries. And and so that we aren't able to get through to people. It's just a fact. We have opposition. And, you know, I see this happening sometimes just just here and there with Christians is that they are connected with their pathos. They're passionate and, and they're actually doing something about it. They're getting in proximity to their pathos with the people that they want to reach out to with the love of Jesus. They're, they're connected in that way. And then they're preparing themselves as well. Maybe it's through study or through um, just learning about what's going on around them, having conversations that help them to understand people they're being prepared but then the way they fall short is that they grow discouraged they get so up close and personal with the dysfunction with the with the darkness that's surrounding people's lives they get so close to it and then they start to let that influence and cloud their perspective they start to grow discouraged and hopeless And, you know, there are some nights where I come home from um, ministering to these women and and, um, it's a beautiful long drive down the freeway back home. Um, And sometimes I can come out of those places thinking, man, that was so tough tonight. Like that conversation was just horrible. Um, and, And just feeling really weary. Like my soul is feeling really weary. And the enemy can use those um, occasions to just come and speak words like, yeah, don't think you should be doing this anymore. Or, yeah, I don't think you're cut out for that, hey. Um, Or, you really want to make a dent in such a prevalent industry. Wow, keep dreaming. You know, he can bring in words just to discourage just to to help us to go from hopeful to hopeless but you know God wants to be our strength and he does it through the word of God I love how in um in Nehemiah on several occasions he had to actually tell his enemies I love it like it's just so yeah you go man but he had to tell his enemies and sometimes it was verbally but sometimes it was written because that was just how they're communicating he had to basically just say hey what you're saying is not founded on truth what you're saying are lies And so I'm not going to pay any attention to that. You're just trying to distract. You're just trying to interrupt the good work that we're doing. And as Christians, sometimes we need to get a bit like Nehemiah and just call it out for what it is. When the enemy is speaking lies and untruth into our minds, trying to discourage us, when people around us, well-meaning people, they're always well-meaning people, but when they say something that's actually coming against what God has called you to we just need to call it for what it is recognize that it is a lie and we're supposed to call it out and declare it you know Nehemiah as well he did what was physically necessary to protect his workers there was a threat um, that um, these officials were going to come rally people and basically 
destroy the work that they were doing. So Nehemiah did what was physically possible for him to do to protect himself, to protect his workers, and he did it really diligently, really well. But then at the end of the day, what he did was he came to God and he just brought it to God in prayer. He said, and he, in this way, we also declare, we don't just declare the the lies of the enemy, but we declare the truth of God and who he is in our situation. He went to God and he said, God, I know you are a just God and I know that you see everything that's going on here. You see the lies, you see the the um, just that will to distract what's going on here. You see it and I believe that you are a just God and so I know you're going to act on my behalf, but God, strengthen my hands. That's what he prays. God, strengthen my hands for the work that's to be done. He dismissed misses the lies he speaks the truth and he um, takes it to prayer you know sometimes for us as Christians we we also become hopeless because we our prayers are not founded in the word of God you see prayer is a powerful weapon the Bible tells us so it's our sword the word of God is our sword and so when we pray the word of God that is actually what makes our prayers effective that's how our prayers can actually be a powerful weapon and so God wants to be our encourager he wants to strengthen us if you're discouraged this morning because you've been trying and trying to outreach to people to invite them to know God and here you're discouraged I, I encourage you get into the word of God God uses it to lift up your head to encourage you and he never he never misses an opportunity to do that and so this morning, what we're actually going to do, and the band, if you can come up and help me, that's what we're going to do this morning. If you are in a place where you're just a bit burdened, you're, like your every day is, is in contact with people that you're just trying to reach out to, and, and if you're in a place where you're feeling a bit hopeless, your soul is weary, then I want you to take this opportunity now to just lay it all out before God, to give it over to him in prayer. But maybe there are others of you here and you're, you're fired up. You're like, yep, you know, get me an unsaved person. I want to talk to them. Maybe you're there. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's a great place to be in. So this morning I want you to take the opportunity to, to pray, to actually bring those people before God, pray into that, pray into those conversations you're going to have this week, pray into those invitations you're going to give to, for people to come to our Easter experiences. Pray that God would use you, use those relationships you have that you are in proximity to this week to invite them to know our God. You know, really cool, just it was like off the cuff kind of a comment, but one of my friends said the other day, if you had the cure for cancer, surely you'd find every person with cancer saying, hey, I have the cure, come, come, take this. And I feel that sometimes us as Christians, we can forget the preciousness of the gospel and the gift of eternal life that God has given us and abundant life here on this earth. We can forget that it is the best thing we can offer someone. It's the best news. It's the best gift of all. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.